0: Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online.
1: Today we've all told little white lies to help a child who's afraid of the dark, but what happens when that little white lie... Backfires. A children's game leaves a group of cousins confused. We'll tell you what they found while playing hide-and-seek. Basic training can be a scary time, but what was it that scared this sailor the most? And after a tragic death, a family pays her final respects to a beloved actor. You won't believe what they captured at the crash site. Those stories, your calls, and more... Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again.
2: Good evening.
1: Good evening. And how are you?
2: I'm fine. And you?
1: I am doing peachy keen. I got a lot of positive feedback about the EPP episode that was released over the weekend. Uh, And if you're not an EPP yet, please consider becoming one. You get that bonus episode that we send out every single weekend, so you got a little fix for yourself on the weekend there. Uh, It's only five bucks a month, or you can do the yearly option, and then don't worry about it, don't think about it. You just get emails uh, and episodes every single week sent to you automatically. But 52 uh, bonus episodes throughout the entire year, so not bad at all. Uh, In this uh, last episode over the weekend, there was there was a couple really. Creepy, creepy ones that got to me. Uh, there was a haunted grocery store. That it's just I, I like settings like that. Yeah, where it's it's out of the ordinary because haunted houses we get a you know kind of haunted house stories and those are good. But I like personally, I like settings that you don't expect to be haunted
2: or some place that most of us. Frequent.
1: Yeah. I mean, places that you just... I mean, it's probably the same reason I'm, I enjoy, like, urban exploration type things, where people are exploring abandoned malls and things of that nature, where it's just you see them in such positive light, normally, you don't expect to see them with something bizarre like that going on, or abandoned, or something like that. That was a good story. What was your favorite one of the EPPs over the weekend? It was a two little girls, um, where they had a situation uh, where they, they thought they saw the ghost, uh, there's a Ouija board story in there where that kind of fore- foretold the crime. Um, what else was in there? Uh,
2: trying to remember exactly which stories were in that episode. Some
1: teenagers spent an evening on MySpace back when they were using MySpace. Yeah. And then they got that weird message. Um, there was a lot of good ones. There was even a dream story in there that I said, that qualifies. <laughs> Yeah. Where where people were like, oh, no, this is a ghost story. It is. It was because it connected. It connected from reality into, uh, from the dream state into reality.
2: I have to admit, I think my favorite story out of that episode Mm -hmm. was probably the Ouija board story. And I know everybody's like, oh, she liked a Ouija board story. That's Ouija Awareness Month. Yeah, but I thought it was a good one.
1: It was interesting because the Ouija board actually, it, it did good yeah it, it foretold a crime uh would, would foretold be the correct word or
2: well it made some people aware of a crime yeah. before it was public knowledge
1: that's true. Now, anyway, good stories. If uh, you well, want to get that episode, you can get that in all of the past EPP episodes. Just become an EPP this week, and then when you send out the uh, next email next week, you will have links to download that episode and all the previous ones. So this next email that goes out will have a total of nine episodes in it. Uh, for our EPPs, and we thank you if you already are an EPP, and uh, thank you in advance if you're going to become one this week. Some good stuff for uh, for Halloween and Ouija Awareness Month. Did you hear about the couple? <laughs> this is not really a ghost story, but uh, they thought it was <laughs> for a little while. their Their mother passed away, and they, for whatever reason, decided it'd be a good idea to bury her with her cell phone. Okay, an active cell phone and and when they they contacted the phone company uh they did eventually they canceled the plan but when they buried her it was active
2: was that for therapeutic reasons for the the grieving
1: family i think so i think what they were trying what they thought were they were going to text her okay as she was deceased and they knew full well that the the phone was going to die you know and it probably already was dead by the time they did it um, but anyway they called the phone company when they did it the, the phone company agreed and said uh, with them they they whatever whoever they talked to said okay we won't give that number out to anyone else again which is complete bullshit i mean customer service at the phone company's not they can't block i mean it's a business they're right. going to keep unless you decide you're going to continue to pay that bill for eternity that number is going to somebody else. But anyway, phone company said, "Okay, we'll never give that number out again." Probably just to appease them, thinking, "What are the odds?" Okay. So, the couple. Um, they they they, they a couple months later, they you know they're grieving and they text the phone. They text mom, and they get texts back, <laughs> and the texts back are whoever got the phone was actually really nice about it. They texted back going, you know have hope. Things are okay over here. I'm okay. <laughs>
2: That's still uh, cruel. <laughs> is it cruel? I mean, yes, yeah. it is. Cause you're playing with somebody who's grieving. So.
1: Yeah. But they were, they weren't like I'm burning in, in pits of hell or something like that, which is
2: exactly what you would do if you had been assigned that number.
1: Like it's very dark here.
2: <laughs> <gasps> Thanks for upgrading to the nicer coffin. Yeah. It's roomy.
1: Yeah. I'm stuck. You buried me alive. <laughs> still down here thank god i have this little cell phone light <laughs> now what um but anyway they got upset and they're i think they're suing the phone company but
2: um oh yeah because it's the phone of oh, course fault. exactly
1: um uh, anyhow uh, yeah i i thought it was an interesting story <laughs> and i had to say if i had the new number and i started getting those texts i would have probably replied back with the same sort of shit i would have been nice i, I mean i would have known if someone was grieving i, I mean if you could tell that it was like a grieving message, I wouldn't have been an ass about it. As Whoa. much as I would want to have been, I would have been like, that would be really horrible. So I would I would probably text back, but I'd probably do the text back like these people got, where it was friendly and it was, I'm happy. And in positive messages for them, like, keep pushing through, you're going to be okay. Something nice.
2: Why don't you just text, I'm sorry, they've reassigned this number and I'm very much alive. Why don't you just let them know instead of monkeying with their emotions? <laughs> I don't know. And playing the part of the dead grandma. Because I can't help it. That's just wrong. (laughs) See, you know what? If people wrote letters, that wouldn't be a problem. If they wrote letters to dead grandma and and then either left them at the gravesite or just had them in a place, that wouldn't be a problem. But they're going to go all high tech and text dead granny in the ground.
1: I've texted crazy shit back to people when I've gotten the wrong texts.
2: What was the craziest text you ever got?
1: I honestly don't remember, but I remember texting really weird stuff back. Like, are you coming over for like dinner's almost ready. It was like because there'd be like just mundane day to day messages <laughs> where it's like, you know, see you tonight at five. You know, hope dinner's." you know, like someone. I remember making a reference to cooking pets where someone was asking about, you know, what we were, were making for dinner. It was probably to either a wife or to a husband or somebody. And uh, it was asking what was for dinner. And I referenced that we were going to be eating the cat. That's great. <laughs> it's like, I just put more bullying cubes in with the cat. It's getting nice and, you know, <laughs> gamey. <laughs> and, like, the response back I get is like, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> and then I reply back again, you know, something to the effect of, Oh, I hope you like the eyes.
2: <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> and then
1: they, like, you know, you never get text back because they realize, oh, it's to the wrong but. That's what I do. It's The same with telemarketers who call me.
2: You forever have your number saved in their phone under asshole. Yeah,
1: no, that's fine with me.
2: Okay. Care.
1: The other day, telemarketer called, my response was,
2: Hello, Ghostbusters. You did. He, he <laughs> really did.
1: It was great fun. And they were, they, were, they were asking me if I would get the paper. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were, I said, I'm like, Do you a spook, specter, demon, and blah, 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 did the whole Janine thing. And uh, is there a reason why you won't get the paper? And then I went on this whole tirade. What was I talking about?
2: You went after a storyline where you were a granny that rollerbladed into your driveway and your cat was dead and it spelled red rum out of blood. <laughs> and you just went on this whole
1: tirade. Oh, yeah. And that that was my reason why I couldn't get the paper. It was yeah. was like, is that reason enough for you? <laughs> They're like, yes, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: So to any of our listeners that happen to call people for a living, hope that you never have to call the Brewski household because (laughs) Tony answers the phone like that for real.
1: Uh, you got to have fun. You just, you got to have fun. Life's too short. You know, he's got to enjoy it. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to a letter. I see writes in, uh, I'd like to start off uh, saying that I've never personally witnessed anything myself, but my cousin still swears that he saw a ghost when he spent the night at my aunt's house. My aunt bought a really huge house. Uh, in uh, Monroe Valley around the early 90s and uh, wanted it to be the house our entire, entire family would visit during the holidays. The place looked nice, huge backyard, fireplace in the living room, the garage was large. We could basically have a majority of our family over for whatever excuse we could come up with. So, Most of my holidays growing up consisted of me having to watch all the younger kids and get yelled at by my aunt. She had brought the house when Monroe Valley was starting to expand. Nobody in that area had cable and the regular rabbit ear antennas didn't pick up very many channels. Most of the other houses were still under construction. The movie theaters around that area only played the same movies that were already out on home video, and most of the neighbors were elderly. Let me just cut to the chase. The place sucked at the time, and it was in the desert. I would always watch my two cousins, the oldest being a girl and the youngest a boy about two years younger than her. My aunt liked to spoil the kids and bought a bunch of stuff to make a game room upstairs, for them to play in. She left several things in the game room that she bought for the girl, like a mini Mouse television with a built-in VCR and the ears, a small wooden piano for really young kids, a rocking horse that both of them were too big for, those dorky stuffed animals you win from carnival games, all sorts of crap like that. Eventually, she converted it to be a room for my younger cousin. I personally didn't mind because I used to sleep in there on an air mattress, so I was upgraded to sleep on the couch and watch scrambled reruns of Gilligan's Island when my youngest cousin would get scared or wake up from a nightmare he would ask my aunt, who was a grandma, if he could sleep in her bed. But she'd make me stay in his room until he fell asleep. Instead of getting in an argument with her, I wouldn't say anything and tossed a bunch of blankets on the floor next to his bed. Made sure I was, made sure I let the door open and pretended I was asleep until he went to bed. I didn't mind the rules she had. She didn't let boys sleep in the same room as girls. I had been accustomed to sleeping on the couch, even at my home. So none of that mattered to me. Plus, that house was so big, I could leave the volume on the television at a reasonable level, and no one could hear it. One night, he was freaking out. He was crying crying for his mom and dad. So I made up a story that the red light on the smoke alarm was a ghost detector, and that if the red light is still on, there are no ghosts or anything like that. I was amazed that it actually worked. He went back to bed, and it was a solid year that he no longer had any nightmares. I figured it was mind over matter. Plus, I got tired of being woken up almost every night we stayed there. I eventually got tired of my aunt. Uh, we didn't get along very well, and I didn't feel like having to babysit all the time when I should be enjoying the holidays. Luckily for me, my family members witnessed her initiate an argument with me, and I finally had an excuse not to deal with going to her house. Instead, I was now allowed to go to my godmother's apartment in Huffington Beach for the holidays, and it was awesome. I had stayed at my godmother's apartment for Christmas vacation, and it was still a few days before, but I remember it clearly because it was the first time I got caught staying up late playing video games. My godmother gave me an angry look but hesitated a moment. I thought she would unplug the system and lecture me, but instead she handed me the phone and told me I would have been woken up if I was asleep anyways. It was my aunt. She was yelling at me the entire time. After quite a few minutes went by, I hung up the phone and went to sleep. The next day, we found out my cousin ran out of the house screaming. He managed to get in my aunt's car and demand to be driven home that night. It got so bad, his dad had to pick him up. His dad got mad at me too because he had to work in the morning and had to drop my cousin off at his mom's place before work. He didn't even know the situation, but I was blamed for it all. To this day, my cousin still says he saw something in that room. He looked for the red light on the smoke detector, but it was off. He claimed that something chased him out of the room. He felt footsteps behind him as he ran down the stairs, and when he ran out the house, the door slammed right behind him. He never went back to that house. He told everyone... There was a ghost in there. When my aunt sold her house, over a decade later, I was asked to help move all the heavy stuff. Despite my cousin being a legal adult at this point, he still refused to go anywhere near the house. I dealt with him when when he had those nightmares. His fear was genuine, so I'm not sure what to think about it. I still remember being blamed for him being afraid of the house. When they found out I mentioned the smoke alarm being a ghost detector, claiming that I put the thought in his mind the design of that house required a ladder to even reach the damn thing, and I was blamed for them not being about about to enjoy all the holidays at their home. This was basically the story of how I ruined Christmas for everyone. Most of my family joked about it, but my aunt still hates me. Thanks for reading.
2: That doesn't sound like anything any parent hasn't tried before and I know he was just babysitting but Sure. I would have done something like that but it completely backfired.
1: A ghost detector. I think that's a good story. That's a good uh good one to tell your kids.
2: You know, my mom told me that if I sang in the dark, nothing would bother me. That no ghosts or monsters would get me. Really? Yeah. Because I was afraid to go down this long, dark hall to get from the living room to my bedroom when I was really little.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And for whatever reason, I either didn't couldn't reach the hall light or we didn't have one or whatever. But so she told me to sing. And I did. And I did that for a very long time.
1: You still do sometimes. You still walk down the hall singing.
2: No, I don't. So you hum? I do not. And
1: then you sing in the dark. I do not. You do sometimes. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We do we are kind of a vocal I sing this random things just you like
2: sing random things in the grocery store. Yeah,
1: I just kinda of make up songs though. Yep. Oh, but, oh yeah.
2: You taught the girls to go down the frozen food aisle and say hot pockets as loud as they could. <laughs> hot pockets Yep.
1: <laughs> the people look over like, What the hell is going on? Oh, it's great fun. Eight five five eight five three forty eight oh two. That's her number. Hi.
3: This is Melissa from Louisville, Kentucky, and I just first want to say thank you oh i'm sorry about the dog barking in the background i just first want to say that i absolutely love the show i listen every day whenever i'm getting ready in the morning to and from when i'm in the car and i absolutely love it and i love that you all don't um, try to debunk anybody and you believe everybody's stories and their experiences that they have and I, for one have definitely had a ton of experiences growing up i don't know if i'm a sensitive or an empath. But I feel like paranormal beings are definitely drawn to me. I've had tons of experiences. And um, so anyway, so like I said, I live in Mobile, Kentucky. And there's Waverly Hills Sanatorium which used to house tuberculosis patients, which I'm sure some of you people have heard of. um So, it's, you know, supposedly one of the most haunted places in the world. And so, me and my friend decided to take a tour there. I got a tour there. Um, She had already been once, had a couple experiences, but nothing crazy. Well, I had a lot of experiences there, but the one I'm going to talk about today is during the tour, when they bring you up to the fourth floor, they have what they call a shadow people walk. And what they do is they have a volunteer walk to the end of the hallway with their arms outstretched get to the end of the hallway, stop, turn around, let everybody's as adjust to the dark, um, to this, uh dark outside, you know, probably like 1130 midnight. And you're supposed to be able to see shadow people like darting in and out of rooms and, you know, kind of standing there observing. And, um, so, you know, a couple people went, you know, we saw them because I have had a lot of experiences with different types of shadow people. And, um, you know, and ghosts and everything else, but shadow people really have always intrigued me because no one quite know what they are, and, um, it's just, and it's like they just want to observe, and they never interact, which is really, um, interesting to me, but anyway, so somehow I got the courage to volunteer myself, and, now, I want to mention that the tour guide was definitely not um, enthusiastic. You could just tell that she just kind of wanted to get the tour over with. She wasn't very interactive with us, and she was just kind of going through the motions. Well, anyways, luckily she called on me. Well, maybe not so lucky, but she called on me. So I started the walk with my arms outstretched by herself in total darkness, and I instantly regret it because I can see them watching me. You know, there was a couple that just kinda of stayed behind the walls and just kinda of peeked out. So I finally get to the end of the hallway and I turn around to face the group and instantly I can feel a male presence next to me um, kind of circling me and he, you know, was getting up in my face and then, you know, I look to my right and the hair my hair, which, you know, probably came down almost to my butt, lifts off my shoulder with, you know, for no reason, no one's around me, it just lifts up and then back down. And obviously, like, I kind of see, like, the hand do it, but it's still, it's so dark that it's hard to tell. So he is freaking out. And then I feel some presence to the other side of me. And then I hear somebody in the group holler out, look, there's a kid next to her look what's standing next to her, and as I turn to look, I feel, um, like a warm, it, was, it wasn't quite cold, it was kind of like lukewarm, uh, energy touched my hand, and I look down, and there's the shape of a kid standing next to me, and of course, everybody assumes because on, up on the top of the fifth floors where all the kid, the uh, TV patients that were kids were housed, and, um, I look down, but I can see the black sunken in eyes and no other facial expressions. And I know that it's not a ghost. It is definitely uh, some type of shadow being. And that really um, went, that really hit home with me. So I'm at the point where I'm in tears, and I finally asked the tour guide if I can come back. So I basically run back to the group, and they all, you know, kind of make their comments about what they saw and what they've seen, and the tour guide seemed very shaken, and she uh, basically just, like, rushed us off that floor um, after I was the last person to go, and she just wanted, it seemed like everybody just wanted to get out of there, and later on, after we left, my friend told me that what everybody was whispering about and was really shaking was apparently there was a black mask behind me that um, kind of was almost like waiting and just kind of like almost trying to know because I didn't see it. But it left the tour guide very shaking. And they were just ready to leave and it's just crazy to me because I would I assumed going into Waverly Hills that it was going to be just ghosts which I did see plenty of but I've been around enough shadow people that I know that I know that most just want to observe and um, remain hidden but these ones I could definitely feel some type of almost like you know just like demonic or you know kind of evil like just wanted to hurt me and that left me very shaken and it took me a while to get over especially because I do have so much interaction with paranormal beings that for a while I just was petrified all the time and especially if something's following me home but anyways I'll have tons of stories from experiences that I've had my whole life and from Waverly Hills, but I will leave that for another time. I've take, already taken up a nephew weird time. Thank you all for listening and keep doing what you're doing. And I will continue to be a loyal listener. Thank you. Bye.
1: Thanks for uh, calling in and sharing your story with us. So let's just say you're on a ghost tour and you see a dark entity or shadow trying to envelop someone at the back of the group.
2: Okay. Do you speak up or you
1: just kind of go, this is like uh, I'm getting a lot more for my money than I normally get. No, you
2: speak up.
1: (laughs) Why the hell did no one speak up? Uh, Are they
2: freaked out? They might have been completely petrified with fear.
1: Just not knowing what the hell's going on? Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I find it extremely ironic that in the early days of asylums, the wealthy would go... And I'm talking about a couple hundred years ago. The wealthy yep. would go and tour the asylums for entertainment to look at the people that were mentally ill. And we're doing that again now. We're going and we're touring the asylums to look at the ghosts of the mentally ill.
1: Oh, that's interesting, yeah.
2: These people don't get... They just don't get a break, do they?
1: It's like, yeah, it's its kind of gone... Yeah, the full... Uh, is it 360 or 180 or... 360. Full, full circle. It's, it's come full circle again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. People are touring to see the ghosts of the mentally ill. Yep. That's yeah, that's disturbing. I, I'm I'm kinda disturbed that no one said anything that was in that group.
2: No kidding. It's like, she oh. said she was with her friends too. What kind of friends are those?
1: I'd be reevaluating my friendships at that point. Thank you for the call. 855-853-4802. That's the phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online. Marissa writes in, hey guys, decided to share one of my many childhood encounters with you. I've been watching your uploads on YouTube, and I'm glad they recommend your channel to me. Well, this event happened at my grandparents' country house while my cousins and I or younger. I remember I was uh, it was during a nice summer day. My whole family was there. It must have been someone's birthday. We were having a supper to celebrate. Usually, when the whole family is done with supper, my grandmother would call out, "Time to do dishes." And my cousins and I would take off and run outside so we wouldn't get stuck doing them. This time was different. My mother and aunt were in my grandparents' game room. They must have been playing around on the computer. Everyone seemed to be too focused on something, so my cousins and I decided to play hide-and-seek. We went outside in the backyard to play, made a rule that we'd keep the game outside to make it fair and easy. There were three of us in total. My second oldest cousin and I had to hide first, and my oldest cousin was a seeker. He found me, and I had to help him find his sister. When we found her, she became the next seeker. "'She walked off into the front yard to count to 100, and she came and found me first. "'It was my turn to help find her brother. "'After it felt like an hour, she gave up and went inside. "'After I gave up, I went inside to see what she was doing, or if her brother was inside with her. "'She was sitting in the kitchen at the table with my grandmother, cleaning up the table. "'I uh, asked them if they had seen her brother. "'They told me no.' And my cousin told me she looked around the house for him and no one had seen him. I was confused. Went and sat with my cousin in the kitchen. As we were sitting there, we both heard the front door open and saw what looked like my oldest cousin run down the basement stairs from the front door hall. I quickly chased after him. As I was about to go down the stairs, the basement door slammed. And I opened it and investigated the whole basement. He was nowhere to be found. I gave up went back up the stairs, sat back in the kitchen. My cousin and I knew what we saw and had no idea where he could hide downstairs. As we were talking, her brother came through the front door upset with us and while we gave up trying to find him, while we were in shock and didn't understand, there was no possible way for him to get out of the basement and go back outside. We told him I had chased him down the stairs after him and he didn't believe us. We all finally let out about an hour af. We left about an hour afterwards, confused at what happened. My grandparents' house has always given us the creeps, and this is just one of many strange things to happen there. Thank you for sharing my story, and I hope you enjoyed it.
2: So, do you think it was something that took on a form to look like the brother, or do you think it was just the ghost of another boy?
1: That's a hard one, I would say uh maybe it was just the ghost of another boy. that'd be my guess if they didn't get a good look, they just kind of saw a kid and then door slams you know if they said it if it you know they had a good look at him then I, it'd be different but yeah if there's other I, I really would love to hear what else has, has happened in that house sure so there's other strange occurrences so that'd be interesting yeah maybe she writes back in and gives us some more of those uh eight five five eight five three 4802, the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, Whatever platform you're listening to is on, by the way, make sure to press subscribe. That helps us out as far as growing in the ratings uh, and that in turn lets other people know about the show. And you get the show sent directly to you every single time we release one all throughout the week here at Real Ghost Stories Online. So, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, you name it. There's a lot of platforms I've never even heard of that we're on. Um, Press subscribe. so you get those episodes uh, sent directly to you. Like I said, it helps us out, helps you out. It's a win-win for everybody. Let's go to another caller. Hi.
4: Uh, hey, guys. This is Mike. Um, I'm a truck driver in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I recently started listening to your show, and now I'm addicted, so thanks for that. Um, I have a few stories I'd like to share. Um, but the first one I want to tell is the, fir- um, the first home that me and my wife lived in together. Um it belonged to my grandfather. Um, it's the house my dad grew up in. Um, the early 80s, him and my grandmother separated. Um, uh, in 2011, my grandfather passed away in June. And um, the house, they, my, uncle, my, my dad and my uncles were going to sell the house and it was going to take a while. So it set vacant for maybe you know, about eight months or so. And then in um, uh, March of 2012, um, my dad suggested that me and my girlfriend, who, you know, wanted to live together, that we lived there until they could sell the house. So, you know, we moved in there and everything, and, uh, um, you know, it, it felt strange at first. Uh, well, let me give you a little backstory on the house. Um, in 1970 my dad's oldest brother um, shot himself and killed himself in um, in my grandparents bedroom um, it was about ten days before Christmas um, at the time my dad was only six years old um, let's get back to us moving in there um, you know several odd things happened um, we moved in on March on March 9 2012. Um, end of that year, me and my wife got married, um, December 28th, 2012. Um, and between that time, several things happened. Um, uh, there's one, one time, um, my dog, I had, I've had the same dog for, since she was a puppy in 2005 we had when we moved into the house and she's never the type to bark or, you know, anything like that. And there's several times the room that my uncle Killed himself in. She would not go near that room. Um, Me and my wife decided not to sleep in that room. We made another room our bedroom. Um, But my dog, she would not go in there. If we went in there, she followed us everywhere around the house. We went in that room, she would not go in there. Um, And when we would let her outside, we would just open our front door and she would go outside in the front yard and do her business and we'd just stand there and she'd come back to the door and come in. Well, one day, my wife opened the door, and I'm sitting in the living room. She opened the door. Our dog goes to go out, and then it's like a car. She put on her brakes and slid a little bit and just started barking really loud. And the um, hair was standing up on her back. Just like, I've never seen her do that. And she started backing up real fast, and she hit the coffee table, knocked the coffee table over. And as if she was watching something come in the house, and and it went through our living room and into that bedroom. And she followed it to that door and stopped and just stood there and barked for about five minutes. And um, and probably you know, about you know a few days after that, it was like she was just scared to death. She would like stay right beside us if we was sitting on the couch. She would have to be right there. Um, another time um my wife's sister came to visit, and she slept in that room and um she said in the middle of the night, she felt someone sit on the side of the bed and you know felt the mattress go down and um and she said they it sat down and it was a few seconds later it felt like whoever sat there just laid their body back across theirs and it felt like that for a couple of seconds and then it was gone um, like I said that later that year in December and my wife got married it was just a small wedding um, at the county clerks and we came home that night and uh, my wife's bouquet of flowers that she had she had heard that you could preserve them by um, spraying hairspray on them and and let it dry, and it would keep them, you know, fairly decent shape because she wanted to keep them and put them on a shelf. Well, she uh, had hung them up upside down and sprayed them with hairspray that night. And they were hanging from our entertainment center. Um, and we went to bed. The next morning, we got up, they were in the trash, in our trash can, in the kitchen. And it was just me and my wife there. The dog stays in the room with us. So, you know, I don't know what that was about. But um, also, my uncle—the reason he killed himself was because the girl that he was dating, he was supposed to—he they had planned on getting married, and then she decided to leave him, and that made him pretty upset. So that's my grandmother said that's what his reasoning was in the letter that he left he broke before he killed himself so I'm wondering if maybe he was mad that you know I got married and he couldn't or something but um uh and I don't know if he was still there and my grandfather too because in our living room where we had our living room pretty much set up like he did when he lived there and the chair I sit in is in the exact same spot, and there was many times that my dog would sit right in front of me and just stare over my shoulder like someone was behind me. Um, so that was weird. And uh, also, too, when we moved in there, my dog, I had her, um, you know, since she was a puppy. She's never torn up trash or torn up anything even when she was a puppy she's a very docile dog um, but when we moved in there it was like every other day she was tearing up the trash she was tearing up she tore up our pillows some of our blankets you know things like that and um uh another thing that happened was um one night my wife was standing at her mother's and i was asleep in the bed and my my dog always slept on my wife's side. She has a side of the bed. She has a bed on the floor. And um, it was just me and there sleeping. I woke up to, I didn't open my eyes at first, but I heard my dog growling. And I opened my eyes and I seen, I, I was like laying on my side towards my wife's side of the bed. I opened my eyes and I seen like a black shadow. And as soon as I opened my eyes, it started moving and went down down the end of the bed and around the foot of the bed to the door and disappeared and that really freaked me out I couldn't sleep anymore after that I was up the rest of the night but um, um that's pretty much it for that story um but I do have other ones I would like to share if you'd like to hear them um I love your show uh, keep up the good work um Thanks a lot.
2: Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for the call. Um, That's a really sad story. Isn't it funny, though, how dogs just know? Animals just know.
1: I think there's all the detectors and this and that that ghost hunters use that can do all sorts of crazy things. But really, the most uh, fail-safe method of detecting a ghost seems to just be people's pets.
2: It does. They yeah. seem to
1: be the ones that detect, without a doubt, if something's going on uh, and if there is something there. Now, if we could just teach them to speak, uh, <laughs> you know, and actually uh, kind of do what some of those radios are doing where they're saying things, then we'd really have something going on. But uh, yeah, I mean, it is, it's is—it's very interesting. Do you think it was something of that nature where it was the, the an angry or just kind of bitter ghost? It just, it, you know, wasn't happy to see someone else being happy?
2: Yeah, I do. I think so. It's
1: a shame you're still bitter after death.
2: Yeah, it really is.
1: You know, or or was there something? Mean, I wonder if there's, you know, what, what more to the story there was between that couple before he had killed himself. If there was something going on in that home, something of that nature that that led to things getting bad, that led to things getting, you know, I, I don't know.
2: I find it interesting that he chose to do that in his parents' room. Yeah. No. Versus his own room. So it makes me wonder if there is possibly more to that story that we'll never know.
1: Sure. I mean there, there, there without a doubt there is. But is, sure. is is it paranormal? I don't know. We know. Yeah. But it, there's a lot that, that could lead to that if there is something weird going on. Um thank you for the call and yes, we would love to hear more of your story, so do feel free to call in and uh, share them with us. The number is 855-853-4802. You call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's how it is all set up. If you're not an EPP yet, please consider being Well, That's what keeps our show alive. So if you enjoy the show, you'd like it to continue into the new year, which we're fast approaching. Uh, consider being an EPP. Without that support, the show can't go on. So uh, yeah, um, please, uh, please do support us. We really do appreciate that and we love doing the show for you. Uh, as often as we can here Real Ghost Stories Online. So, 5 bucks a month or you can do 60 bucks a year, and you get uh, the 52 bonus episodes. That's not a bad deal. 855-853-4802 is our number. Anthony writes in, Like most people, I have a bit of skepticism when it comes to the paranormal. Having only had one experience that to, th- to this day I still can't explain, I'm in no rush to find out if there is more than what I believe to exist. Having said that, I have two stories. I joined the Navy fresh out of high school and ended up going to boot camp in Great Lakes, Illinois, affectionately known as Great Mistakes. It uh, started out like you would expect, a lot of awkwardness, a bunch of screaming exercises and marching. Well, towards the end of boot, I ended up being put on hold and moved to the medical hold barracks before being sent back to finish the rest of boot This barracks was storied to be a former asylum. It was a creepy three-story building that you just got odd vibes being there. It was unlike all the other barracks that were just two-story buildings, typically of what you would see in any movie involving boot camp. For some reason, the third floor was never used, and no one was allowed to go up there. Of course, plenty of rumors circulated as to why. One night, I'm standing at the mid-watch, midnight to 2 a.m. Keep in mind that everyone would immediately go to bed at lights out, 10 p.m., and no one but the person on watch should be awake. Somewhere throughout my shift, I walked around to check things out and make note in my log that all was normal. It's at this point I heard a child's laugh. Slightly freaked out, I looked out the window nearest to me to see if one of the division commanders had been out there for some random reason. And naturally, nothing. My heart starts to pound and my mind begins to race. Did I really just hear a kid laugh? Was it just my imagination? To add to the creepiness, shortly after that, another recruit silently came up to me without saying a word and just stood beside me, completely devoid of expression. He stood next to me for a second and then just turned around, went back into the dark compartment. A few minutes later, he comes running by me and out the door in front of me without saying a word. I don't remember him coming back in before my shift finished, but he didn't remember a thing of it to the next day. Maybe he was just sleepwalking. Maybe it was something random. But it was too creepy to happen almost immediately after hearing a mystery kid laugh. For the quick story, I ended up moving back to my mom's after I got out of the Navy. Until I found a job, she kept one room shut and used it as storage. So I moved a bunch of old stuff into the room and would periodically go in there to get things. Each time I went in, one statue would be in my way. Not being able to figure out how it got there, I would intentionally put it in a different place and eventually it would be right back in the way the next time I went in. Finally asked my mom if she noticed anything weird, intentionally not saying anything about the statue, and you could nearly see the color drained from her face. She told me she'd go into the room looking for the statue and how it was always moving around. Come to find out, we're both moving the statue. Her putting it in the original place, me moving it away... Laughs were had once we both realized we were doing it to ourselves. Not paranormal, but still funny. If you choose to read this, I hope you get just as much of a laugh as lap as we did. I just started listening to the podcast last week and have listened to everything from the beginning to around episode 50 and look forward to listening to the rest. Keep up the great work, guys.
2: I think that's funny that he included that last little story because it just goes to show if you don't, you know, talk about what's going on in the yeah. house, there might be a logical explanation.
1: Yeah, and in a lot of cases, there can be. It's just doing your due diligence and investigating. The thing is, what what's kind of a shame is a lot of times people don't do that, and it just ends up being a ghost story and retold. You know, 10 years later, this happened to me. And if a little more digging had been done at the time, you know, but because of fear it wasn't, there may have been more of logical explanations to some cases. Yeah. You know, in, in some cases. Some are just, you know, so far, you know obviously paranormal <laughs> and it's like yeah oh, oh, that that could not you know it was just the cat making those sh- growling children noises uh, you know, <laughs> no the cat wasn't doing that um that that's really interesting with the haunted barracks in that uh that story that's creepy with the uh, the other person that freaks out and runs out of the building there's no recollection of it the children and, yeah but what, what do you do? Do you report that when you're in that situation to your commanding officer? Hey, I heard a ghost child last night.
2: I think I would omit that, but I'd make sure they knew of somebody that was potentially sleepwalking.
1: Yeah, that could uh, not always turn out to be the greatest situation.
2: Now it could be a potential hazard. Yeah.
1: Oh, very interesting. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Let's go to another real ghost story.
5: Hey, how's it going? This is Ryan in Toronto. Um, I got a pretty creepy story that happened, uh, I'd say, about 10 years ago. Uh, my mom is part of a nine-child family, and we all share a cottage together, the nine siblings, and uh, it's about an hour and a half up north. Um, and it's a 1890s-built uh, old ski lodge. And a big, beautiful property. And uh, the cottage faces the lake with about a 250 foot lawn in front of it from the cottage to the lake. And uh, on the water, we have a big, huge bonfire right right on the shore of the water there. And um, because it's shared by so many people, it's pretty much, you know, 30, 40 people every time you go up there. So it's a a great cottage, great family. Everyone loves each other. It's no problems. And uh, every weekend, you know, there's a bunch of people up there having a little celebration together. Well, one weekend we're up there, and uh, I'd say there's probably 25 people that weekend. And uh, we're having a bonfire. It's about 10 o'clock at night, and uh, everyone's down at the bonfire. And we, you know, we're having a good time. We're doing marshmallows and all that. And then somebody says, "You know, I got to head up to the cottage. I think they were going to get more hot dogs or whatever they're going to get." And then uh, my aunt Kathy turns and looks and goes, "Who's that upstairs?" So, like, you know, mid mid stories and all that, everyone kind of turns, and I go, "Oh, that's Emily," and we can see um, like a girl, a small woman or a girl, in one of the windows looking down at us. You know it's 200 maybe 250 feet you can see right in the window if you've got good vision and I, and emily is about four people beside me goes no i'm right here so then i go oh, okay it's melissa and Melissa goes no and she's across the bonfire so we do a little bit of a head count we go jackie no she's there karen nope i'm over here so everybody kind of stops and now the bonfire's gone dead quiet And we're all looking up at the cottage. And all the lights are out in the cottage except for the one top floor bedroom. And there is (laughs) a little woman. Some people thought it was a girl. Uh, To me, it looked like a little woman staring down at us. So no one's talking. We're all looking. Everyone's double counting. And then finally we go, oh, okay, well, clearly somebody else has come up to the cottage. And we just didn't know about it. So somebody goes, okay, I'm going to head up there and find out, you know, maybe, you know, maybe Aunt Laura showed up out of the blue unexpected. And, uh, I don't know. I did. I wasn't going to volunteer for it. And <laughs> my uncle Brian, who I think had a little bit of liquid courage, he said, okay, the hell with this, I'm going up. So he starts walking up, uh, you know, up the lawn towards the house and we're all gathered around the fire, We're not crying or nothing, but we're all, you know, no one's talking. We're all just mouth wide open, staring at this person up there. And she hasn't moved and is seemingly just staring back at us. And it was like a movie. We watch him go into the the main floor. He turns on a light. So now that light's on. And you see him kind of move through the cottage, through the living room. Then he turns on the... uh, living room light goes on you see him move through that then you see him turn off the turn on the staircase lights and you see him go up the stairs through people's windows and right when he gets into the hallway he turns that light on the light in the room with the girl turns off so everybody goes pretty crazy A couple of ladies scream um, me my dad and uh, two of my elder cousins, we go, okay, we got to, we run up. And sure enough, we find Brian and he's up there and he, go, and he, the light turns on in the room and there's nothing there, nobody there. So we run up and uh, search the room, search the closet and uh, never did see anybody. But uh, <laughs> the funny part is, we, we laughed and joked about it for, you know, months and months, the whole summer. Uh, but it definitely freaked a bunch of people out. And, and years years later, you know, even even to this day, when we're down at the bonfire, if, you, if things go quiet, you'll see people, every once in a while, you'll see their gaze just turn up to my Aunt Kathy's bedroom window just to see what's going on up in the window. Anyway, guys, I love the podcast. Great talking to you. Keep at it.
1: Thanks for calling in and sharing your story. That That's like great for a campfire. You got a it is a ghost going on there. When I was a kid, we used to uh, have campfires over uh, across the creek from my parents' house. And there was another campfire pit uh, a little bit down the way from the one that you know where it is. And that's what the neighbors had campfires and their grandkids would come over and they would do the campfire and us kids would be all about playing and everything. And in back, there's a giant woods. Um, and... Uh, Back then, there was a little bit of an inlet on one of the hills that if you, you go up the hill, and it was fairly clear of trees, but then you go into this inlet, and it's just this inlet of trees all surrounding, and you could kind of walk back a little ways, and during the day, it was really nice. There was like a bench back there, and just a really kind of a peaceful place to kind of relax. and In summer, very green and lush and the squirrels and, you know, the friendly Wisconsin squirrels that look like they should be in uh, Mickey Mouse cartoons and wearing sweaters. Okay. Not the Kansas squirrels that look like they're from The Walking Dead. Okay. Um, So just nice place. Um, Anyway, we would uh, dare each other to try and run up into this little inlet in the dark, which in the dark, it's pretty freaky because you got to run up a hill and then go into this inlet which essentially puts you kind of in the middle of the woods. Okay. And I remember trying to do that once and uh, thinking, okay, I, I can do this. I can do it. And the, the deal was get back, touch the bench, come back. Um, and I don't think anyone ever actually made it to the bench, but I remember getting up into the inlet area and for whatever reason, and it's summers can be kind of muggy up there. And especially at night when you get the mugginess and the coolness coming together, you get fog. Okay. Um, And that's all I'm saying this was. Mm -hmm. But uh, in this little inlet, it's kind of muggy to begin with because there's a creek right there. And this hill also had like kind of, you know, when it rains, streams come down. So you can get weird patches of fog. I'm not saying it's a ghost. I'm just saying it's fog. But I remember one night doing that full moon. So it's kind of lit up in the inlet a little bit through the trees. And get up to there. And all you can see is this fog that's kind of over by the bench. Oh. And... So it looks like the perfect ghost. Sure. But I know it was fog. I I really, I don't think it was paranormal. Although there are a lot of burial grounds around there. So maybe I'm completely wrong. And I'm just telling myself it was fog because it makes me feel much better about what I saw. But there was fog in other areas that evening, too. So that's kind of what I'm sticking with. Creepy, nonetheless. And great when you're 10.
2: Yeah, definitely creepy.
1: Um. But I, I've always wanted to try and get back into that inlet again. But people have built houses in that area. I don't even know if the inlet even exists or if it's all kind of grown over. But it's a neat little area. Yeah. But, uh, anyway. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Nicole writes in, hey, Tony and Jenny, my name is Nicole. I'm from California, living in the city of San Diego. But I'm originally from Long Beach, California. My husband, Martin, and I, along with our 8-year-old son, Christian, took a trip to L.A., We would drive everywhere, actually, to uh, just get away, do a little paranormal research. We went to Knott's Berry Farm in Anaheim, California. Had a blast. My husband said after this, let's go to the crash site where Paul Walker died, the late actor in the famous Fast and Furious movie. So I agreed. That's kind of morbid. That really wasn't all that long ago. Of course, he knows I'm a paranormal researching freak. On our way up there to the crash site, my husband wanted to get a gift to put on his site due to everyone putting gifts and flowers and stuff there. My husband wanted to leave a Bud Light beer. I know it's a classy gift. Anyway, we arrived at the site. My son loves Fast and Furious movies, cars, and Paul Walker as an actor. We were at the site looking around, and I signed our name and a prayer on the ground next to everyone else's signatures. We also said our prayer, and my husband put the beer on his site. When my husband and our son looked around reading the things people wrote on the curb next to his site, I took my phone out to try and get an EVP. I know my husband told me not to do it because he just died and it was a little disrespectful to do so, but I did it because I loved him as an actor and was curious if he was still around. So I asked a few questions and said, Do you see the beer we brought you here, Paul? I left my phone recording for a while, and then it was time to go. And we stopped to get gas. My husband went to pay for the gas. It gave me time to listen to the recording. Without him seeing me do so, my son said, Mommy, Daddy didn't tell me. D- didn't Daddy tell you not to record an EVP? As soon as he said that, I heard something. I went back, and right after I asked, Did you see the beer we brought you here, Paul? I heard a slow and soft, Yes! My son and I were like, Whoa! I to let my husband hear, even though I know he would be a little mad that I went against his word, but when we heard it, he turned white and teary-eyed. The death was so sudden and new, and to hear that was just shocking. It was so clear and sounded just like Paul Walker, as if he were whispering his response to us. I didn't post the recording due to my respect for him and his legacy. I kept it in my phone until one day I was doing something on my phone that I erased the recording on accident. I have it saved in my iTunes playlist, but he erased it from my EVP app where I originally recorded it. My theory is that the recording was for us only because he's responding to us personally. He knows we always talked about him and how much we miss him, and he's such a great actor. He didn't want anyone to remember him as a voice on fans' phones. My husband has the recording in his email. We listen to it sometimes just to remember that he saw us and appreciates our gift that we left him. Since we never got a chance to meet him, this is our remembrance of him. Well, Tony and Jenny, thank you. It's a long one, but I'll call in next time. A very disturbing story that happened to all three of us back in 2008. That is just weird. I'm trying to see what it means. Tony and Jenny love your show and the stories. I'll call you guys later.
2: So I have no doubt that she recorded a yes But whether or not it was something messing with her or if it was a voice of something else, it's hard to know.
1: What's difficult of recording an EVP in a public situation like where that happened in a very busy area, there's a lot of things that can be picked up. Yeah. So not to discount it at all. It's just when you're doing an EVP, a lot of times you want to be in a situation where there's not other audio that can easily come into you. Sure. And that by nature there's no way you're not going to get up unless you shut the roads down which obviously are not going to happen there um so very interesting I would I would be interested in hearing it if, if, they, if you'd like to send it to us we, we don't have to post it if you don't want us to I'm just curious to hear it myself yeah to hear how how clean it is you know as opposed you know, to all the other stuff around because you may you know you never know it may be very clean um, anyhow, if you would like to send it to us, we'd love to hear it. We we won't post it, you know, unless you tell us that it's okay to post it. But uh, that's your call. We would love to hear some more stories, though. 855-853-4802, the phone number to call in to us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to another caller to Real Ghost Stories Online. Hello.
0: Hey, Tony. Hey, Jenny. Scott from Portland. Uh, I just want to start off by saying hello, being an EPP. And I uh, was thinking... You know, sixty dollars a month for fifty-two episodes, or sixty dollars a year for fifty-two episodes. That's only like a dollar fifteen per episode. So it's totally an awesome deal for those that haven't done it. Uh, just want to throw that out there as a shameless plug for you guys. Anyway, uh, so I've been posting more on the message boards. Been great being a fan of the show. Has all kinds of perks. And I've shared with you guys a couple of stories that have come on the radio show. And I also sent one in. Let me know if you didn't get it. It's about a clown late at night. Scared the crap out of me. Um, If you didn't get it, I'll send it to you on your other email. Anyway, the story I want to share with you guys today is about my sister, actually. And throughout our childhood, I had a lot of random occurrences with things that could not be explained. Um, And I shared the story about my cat. Uh and I also share the story about my friends later on with the ghost that was in his house and then later, you know, at college into the park. Um, but this story scared her, um, and this is when she realized that maybe there was something going on out there that was unexplainable. It was right after my great grandmother died. Um And she, my sister was living with her boyfriend in this house that they were at. And he wasn't a really great guy. And it was pretty obvious that my great-grandma didn't approve of their relationship. Um, But that's that's neither here nor there. She died and we were all very sad. And I think it was about a year roughly after she died, um, my sister started having these random things happen. But not just to her. But it was at night in their apartment in their room, and so he was hearing them too. So these things were waking them both up at night. Um, But it started at first with just, like, random just, you know, shifting of house kind of sounds, you know, knocking here, random creaky board there, the kind of stuff you hear when you're alone at night. Um, But then the dog that they had, his name was Duke, he started getting up off their bed every night. He started getting up and, like, going to the door, and, like, standing there. Um, and then one night, he started barking, and it woke him up. And they got mad. They told him to stop. But he just kept frantically barking, and he wouldn't stop. Finally, they kicked him out of the room. And they went back to bed. Uh, and this happened, I think, four nights in a row, she said. But then uh, the, the fifth night, um, he Duke got down off the bed, and he started running around the room. But that didn't wake them up because they had gotten used to it because it had been happening you know, a couple of nights in a row. They started to get used to this, this randomness from Duke and so they were sort of half awake and then they heard this sound of this loud this loud bang sound and it woke them both up. They both kind of jumped up in bed. They turned the lights on. They, were, they thought it was Duke but he was sitting in the corner and he was kind of whimpering and uh, I guess he was just sitting there and looking at them and they were looking at him. Um, and then my sister got off the bed really mad, you know, going to send him out of the room. What she did, she put her foot down into a drawer that was under the bed. They had one of those sort of box uh, or wood frames around the bed that held the mattress. And there were drawers that slid underneath the mattress. Um, and one of them was open. And these drawers, um, they, they contained, like, you know, some old clothes or some uh, sheets and stuff. But basically, they were really hard to open, so no one ever really went in there. After you put stuff in, it basically went in there to die. Well, this drawer was open, and my sister was surprised because Duke couldn't have opened them. I mean, they couldn't hardly open them when they were trying. So she was just like, what the hell? And Brian, her boyfriend, he got up and came around, and they were surprised. So then my sister started thinking about it, trying to figure out why this drawer was open or, or what because now she's thinking something's up because Duke's been acting funny, they've been hearing noises, and then she was thinking about what was in the drawer, and she started pulling through the stuff and found at the bottom of the drawer a a picture of my great-grandmother, the picture that she was given after the funeral um, of my great-grandmother to hold on to. and my sister started crying because at that point she realized that there was probably a reason that Duke was acting funny, and there was probably a reason that there were noises in the house. Um, And since then, my sister uh, has noticed the feeling that my great-grandmother is there. But the more interesting and trickiest part about all this is that this all started happening at this time. And a little bit after that, my sister went to the hospital because she was kind of sick. And when she went in, uh, the doctor told her that she was pregnant. And so, the and she's had the boys now, but... The thought that some of us have when she was telling us the story, the thought that my mom and I have and that she now agrees with is that perhaps the reason why my great grandmother started visiting her from the beyond is because she knew that my sister was going to be giving birth to the next generation of the family. So anyway, that's my story from my sister. One of the many more things that's been affecting us. Um, That was just what I want to show you guys today. Also, just to let everyone know who's listening, if there were any weird sounds in the background, it was more than likely the neighbors. There's some gardening and things going on. So anyway, just want to throw that out there in case someone says they hear things. That's all. Thanks for the show. And uh, I hope to hear more from you guys. And thanks for uh, letting us have a place to share our stories.
2: Thanks, Scott from Portland. It's always nice to put a voice with a name on the forum, (laughs) you know.
1: My question is, are the gardeners alive? (laughs) They're making noise, but are they really living? How well do you know the gardeners next door? It's kind of like that movie, The Others. Yeah. Yeah, So uh, thank you for the story. That was a good one.
2: It was a good one.
1: And there's uh, really cool stuff going on on our forum. It's a great place if you have uh, questions or thoughts. You want to share some uh, thoughts on something you heard about on the show and discuss it. That's uh, what it's all about. So if you're uh, not a part of that yet, uh, just jump on there. Anybody can do it anytime on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Some lively discussions, so to speak. I'd say they're pretty lively.
2: Yeah. Some more than others. And there's a couple of people on there that seem to have a wealth of knowledge on all kinds of things. And they they always... It's a great resource. yeah, Yeah. They have tremendous... Inside of the yeah.
1: things, everybody's pretty friendly. So, uh, so check that out. If you're not an EPP yet, uh, please consider becoming one. Five bucks a month, or you can do the uh, year option at sixty bucks, and you get uh, every single bonus episode that we make, and uh, it's once a week. So, fifty-two bonus episodes created just for you as a thank you for being an EPP. But more importantly, and I'm just getting the bonus episodes, you get the satisfaction and the warm fuzzy feeling. Knowing that you're keeping the show alive, because without our EPPs, the show would not go on. So, if you like the show and you want it to continue, please consider being an EPP uh, on the website. You sign up to do that, RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. So, until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.